1: Is having a moment.
0: Hello, I'm Chris Steyerwald.
1: and I'm Eliana Johnson.
0: Welcome to Ink Stained Wretches, where we break down what's going wrong, and in fact, what is going right with the American news media. Eliana Johnson, before we began recording, you offered an in, an indefensible, I th- I think an indefensible position. And I know we've 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 courted controversy on this subject in the past, and we've upset some of our. I look listeners. forward
1: to the emails that we're going to get because these are my
0: favorite. Emails. But you, but you offered an indefensible position that Burger King was the best fast no, food. No, no,
1: I didn't say the best. I just said that I don't know why you think it's so much. Like worse uh, I, than Arby's, I said I think that they're all delicious. Like they are uh, well, all really good. I,
0: th- I think you're I think you're mischaracterizing what you said, but that's fine. I will I will take my Arby's over Burger King any day. That is totally I, I totally would prefer Arby's over Burger King, and I think
1: I think I would take Burger King over Arby's. I love the Whopper Junior. I love that like hoagie shaped crispy chicken sandwich, so the, the, and I love their little onion rings the, that the, are the, there's like. Basically just somebody, like, waved an onion over they, the, like, they, fried they stuff. They were thinking about yeah. an onion yes. while they made while they uh, fried, an no. elephant ear. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Uh, they're, they're awesome. Uh, the the
0: Burger the Burger King Long John chicken sandwich is, and I won't talk about controversial, controversial opinions, the Burger King Long John Bun uh, uh, chicken sandwich is the best fried chicken sandwich. It is so good. I definitely, sorry, Chick-fil-A. Uh, that is actually my fave. Oh,
1: the Popeyes one is really good.
0: Too much. Too, the Beacon too did too much a taste test. On.
1: The Beacon did a taste test. Let's link that. We, okay, put it in the show did notes. a live taste there's test. There's too much going on. I think it was on. Popeyes versus Chick fil A versus one other one. And there's, so we did a live I, I, I taste love
0: Popeyes test. fried chicken, and certainly their red beans and rice are world class. But Popeyes chicken sandwich, there's too much going on. There's too much breading, it's too active, it's too it's too greasy and fluffy. Chicken sandwich needs to be dense, it needs to be it's not I just I think they failed the test.
1: I hope everyone will tune in when Chris's show launches on Food Network, his podcast.
0: How much do you Admiral? know? That, do you know do you know that once we had an idea, this and this is actually true. You know Katie Pavlich. Yes. She is a real sportswoman. And in, she
1: is always out like
0: she is into sports a field. She is a, a fisher woman. She is a hunter, a huntress and is good at it. Is a, a great huntress. shot. And we had an idea, which is that we were going to have a show where we would kill something and then cook it. So like she would we would go out and she would we would ha- have the prey of the day. And then and then we'd go into the kitchen where I would take the lead. And cook it. And I think that would have actually been really fun. And by the way, do you know the next book that I really want to write? And then we can talk about journalism right after this, I promise. But the next book that I want to write is called America, The Sandwich, where I do a culinary historical tour of the country based on the best sandwiches in each part of the nation. I think
1: that would be good. But I don't think a book is the right format for that. I think a, like, documentary...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Netflix, Ted Serrandos, Ted Serrandos, if you're out there, please book me for a seven episode series of my sons and me traveling around the country. And by the way, a hot dog is a sandwich, and hot dogs will be included because, oh, I see you, Colin. That's fine. Because the West Virginia hot dog is the best hot dog, and it'll be part of the story, so that's fine. When 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 we win an Emmy, you'll just you'll have you'll, you'll be sorry, Colin. You'll be sorry. You'll that canoe needed, away. Needed. You'll, you'll canoe away. Sadly. Okay, okay, I'll stop now.
1: Okay, time for our front page. We we had to start with this, which was
0: oh, White gosh. House
1: Press Secretary Corrine Jean Pierre. Look, I I can't. This is a hard job. I have to think doing it for a Democratic president has to be a little less hard than doing it for a Republican president. But President Joe Biden at an event yesterday called out the late Congresswoman Jackie Walorski.
0: You want to play? Do you want to play the? You want to play that clip first? Let's play that clip. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was she going to be here. To help make this a reality. Okay.
1: And as a result, in the White House press briefing... And, ja- Karin, and
0: Jackie Walorski, we should we should point out, died in a car she accident. She died in a car accident was, along with two
1: aides in, in Ohio uh, a couple of months ago. Indiana. Indiana, excuse me. And, okay, so she was... Corinne Jean-Pierre was then... Asked about this in the White House press briefing, and I want to play her response. And I think that she's living and in the room.
0: I don't find that confusing. I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind, they're a top of mind exactly that. Uh, and it is also if you put it into the context, it's not like it happened without outside of context, right? It happened at an event. Uh, where we were, um, uh, cham- we were calling out the champions, uh, congressional champions in particular of this uh, issue, this important issue.
1: John okay. Top of mind, just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway.
0: When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can
1: have this conversation. Okay, go apologize. ahead. Go ahead. I've heard enough. Basically, okay. they all start shouting at the end, and and then one of them says. Uh, I have John Lennon top of mind, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, get make sure yeah. Colin in
0: the clip you get to the John Lennon line. Okay, that is the first time I had listened to her response, and that's preposterous. That is a preposterous, insulting thing to say. And there's a really simple answer about this, which is bad staff work. There is no reason that Joe Biden should not have been prepped. There's a Dana Perino tells the story about when she was staffing Bush on an event. And the senator from Idaho is – there's a senator from Idaho named Mike Crapo, which might be mispronounced sometimes. And they forgot to put a pronouncer for Bush to make – the which should have been in the document, like, absolutely, whatever you do, it's Crapo. And Bush, of course, said, oh, I want to thank Senator Crapo for – and it was like, oh, and that's a fail, right? And they knew it and they understood it. This is just a staffing fail. He's the president of the United States. Jackie Walorski was a, a stalwart, a hardworking, a serious legislator who did this stuff. Her death was a tragedy. But he's the president of the United States and his staff should have said, just make sure, Mr. President, that this is the case. And that's all they had to say. That's all they had to say.
1: It is not clear to me. Okay, we don't know that that wasn't done and that, you know, possible, we don't but. know. We don't know. But I, I don't understand, as you suggest, why... There wasn't just some transparency, like, you know, why she couldn't say, you know what, like, for somebody who's out in the public eye every single day talking publicly, you know, we all make mistakes. We regret the error. We regret the error. We're really sorry. And even, and by
0: the way, even if it was Biden's fault, even if they had told him and he forgot you know what her job would be as part of the administration—to
1: take the blame, to eat it, yeah, right—to like totally. eat
0: it and say it was our error and we are so sorry and we apologize to Congresswoman Walorski's family and the the president called the president called her husband her the the widow widower to apologize and that's it. What is that preposterous? Like, she's a bad press secretary for a lot of reasons, but one of them is she thinks that she's important. She doesn't understand why she's there and she'd rather be right. And that's just what a what a waste.
1: What do we got next? Oh, Chris, this is like right down uh, home plate for you. Hit
0: me. I'm ready. Uh, we
1: got Hurricane Ian, which is you know major news event, but gotta lump it in with climate change. So we got a couple of clips. The first is just the con- constant references to climate change in. Talking about Hurricane Ian, which is like having a real, obviously, impact. We're recording Thursday. It was all over the news all day yesterday. But let's play that clip.
0: Breaking news. Hurricane Ian now a Category 4 storm as it makes its way closer to Florida. The threat exacerbated, of course. By climate change. Climate change making storms bigger and more costly. Climate change is ravaging the coast. Now with climate change in these extreme warm waters, it's almost, you know, it's happening all the time. Climate change uh,
1: intensifying hurricanes. And they say climate change is supercharging storm systems
0: like this one. This is what he thinks about climate change. And now his state is getting hit with one of the worst hurricanes. Well, that perhaps, they ever perhaps
1: we just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on florida but i think what took the cake chris was don lemon pressing this meteorologist let's let's hit that one look here you can actually see pretty interesting for your viewers you can actually see a second eye wall forming around the inner eye wall and that's basically the second eye wall has overtaken the original eye wall and that should arrest development
0: uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can
1: link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that.
0: Okay. Well, based, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify. So this storm is just—it's a massive one. Its effects are also being felt uh, in the. Well, I mean, he lived there, so. He grew up there. Yeah. So, so anyway, well, two. It's something. Two two things. Number one, have I have I have I talked on this show before about my assumed identity? No. Okay. Are you sure I haven't told you this? Other story? Other
1: than fast food aficionado.
0: Oh, well, that's no, that's no secret. McRib enthusiast yeah. is not <laughs> is not a secret. And by the way, we're just around the corner. We're about a month away from McRib season, so get ready. The uh, so I'm in the Phoenix airport. I didn't tell you this story, so I'm in the Phoenix airport. I'm going down the escalator, and this guy in front of me is like, "I know you."
1: Oh yeah, you told
0: us. Yeah, this. yeah. I think yeah. it was that last week. I told yeah. the story. So my my alternate. Identity is Carl Sanderson of the National Weather Service. So basically, my alternate identity is this guy, right? That's that's my assumed identity is this guy. So I'm like, it's like I'm I'm li- I'm living through the, as he would say, the eye wall of uh, this experience. So I'm I'm for it. And number two, why? So most Americans now agree that climate change is is real, as it always has been, and even most Republicans agree that. Human beings have an effect on this. The need to make every weather event part of this story is, I don't know, it takes away from... So hurricanes are bad. I want to stipulate. I don't want to be on the record as pro-hurricane. But one of the good things about a hurricane is it's a big news story that the whole country can watch and say like, oh, we're rooting for the good people of Gulf Coast, Florida, and we really we, we wish them well. And instead... Even that has to be turned into a kind of quasi-political story where it's, I don't know, it's Republicans' fault, I guess, or it's the fault of the fossil fuel industry, or it's someone's fault that this is happening, and that's a bad way to do that.
1: I'm with you. Oh, Chris, so we might be working for the New York Times next time we record this podcast, if they'll have us. I'm open Um, to that. Yeah, because the New York Times Union, Mm -hmm. the Guild, is they're in they're in negotiations with management and their demand is an 8% pay increase every year
0: Wait, you're getting paid? <laughs>
1: their demand. Oh okay. Their demand <clears throat> okay is an 8% pay increase every year for 4 years straight. 8% this wow. year. Wow. Eight percent next year. Wow. Eight percent year after that. Eight percent year after that.
0: That's a fantastic multiplier. Uh,
1: so yeah. So four
0: years by eight percent. Nate can do math. I don't know what that would really be because you're there's a compounding interest effect. But in the fourth year, that's a uh, you're doing good. That's a huge raise. You're doing good. Wow. That's so, all. That's all they're asking for.
1: That's what they're asking for.
0: What do you think? They what, have
1: been told no.
0: What do you think a starting reporter makes at the New York Times? I have no idea. You want to get let's guess. And maybe we'll find out and we'll be wrong, but let's guess.
1: Fifty something? No. What do you think? Ninety. Starting?
0: I bet they I bet
1: out of college?
0: Well, I don't know how many people they hire out of college, and I don't know how many interns they have, and I don't know how you classify it. But I bet there is not a full time reporter who works for the New York Times that makes less than ninety thousand dollars. And I would I'm happy to be corrected, happy to be wrong. But I would be I'm sh-
1: going to guess that there is.
0: All right. Full time well, we'll, reporter we'll find somewhere out. in the country. York, yeah. and, and we but actually, in and, and this case, normally I'm joking when I'm like, like Kofi Annan, we know you're listening. <laughs> normally I'm joking. But in this case, I know some of you are out there. So email me, New York Times reporter, and email us and tell us what the pay scale is really like.
1: Let us know so that we can calculate 8% pay increase year over That's a, year. Well, over he, year, for me, year. it's
0: just going to be more coconut LaCroix. Yeah. It'll be an 8%. 8% annual increase of coconut LaCroix that I get for doing this podcast.
1: Chris and I both loved this Washington Post story
0: brought uh, to us by Nate Moore.
1: I think that was it Nate Moore or Colin Chicola. Oh,
0: it was Colin Chicola. Yeah. Thanks for nothing Nate. Yeah. Couldn't
1: yeah. do the
0: couldn't do the math nor did you send this story in.
1: Okay. Wonderful headline from their advice columnist. Oh, gosh, uh, it's so great. Seven ways a recession could be good for you financially. Mm. And I was joking around Mm. in the office that, you know, I see a lot of mainstream stories and I'm like, you know, this is just politics by other means. Like this is journalism as the tactic and a tool for politics. So it's like, Joe Biden, how do you want to spin a recession? You know what? Like, let's go tell the people. Let's use journalism to tell the people why this is actually good for them.
0: Okay, let's go through the seven. Let's go because I think I disagree with you a little bit. Seven, our number one, housing prices may finally come down to reasonable levels. True, as a person who is looking to buy a Uh, house.
1: Well, my favorite one of these. Hold on, hold on. Number two,
0: savings rates are up. I don't care. I don't know if that's a bright like whatever.
1: How uh, that hasn't. That is like has nothing to do with the
0: right. recession. Uh, right. Well, uh, when there's a recession, people tend to hoard their, hold on to their money I mean, because of their concerns. But I don't care what the savings rate is. I bonds inflation rate may go even higher. Or, or, I'm sorry, Series One bonds. Talk about financial illiteracy. But that that could go higher. Well, I guess if you own bonds, that's good. The dollar is king. It's com- It's complicated. Unemployment is still relatively low. Though, by the way, can I use this as a way to plug very quickly? Nick Eberstadt's updated Men Without Work, which I recommend very highly to everyone. It is exceptionally good. It talks about...
1: I guess this is one of those, like, ask for forgiveness, not... Yeah, I know, I know, I
0: know, I know, I know, but it's really good. (laughs) Go, go, go. I recommend it very highly, and Men Without Work is the story about how american men of prime working age in the past 40 years have dropped out of the workplace and are at a level of unemployment not seen since the great depression and it's a it's a story and boy oh boy read that book men without work the updated edition number 6 your used car is worth more <laughs> and number 7 st- and this now, is this, is this, now is this is, my is my the stinker now this is the stinker Yeah. this is the stinkeroo. at the end number 7 student loan forgiveness is coming now that, number one, we'll see. We have a lawsuit. It's a constitutionally dubious undertaking. So we'll see if it's coming. But the idea that you would just say, this is just thrown in at the end like, hey, but you know what else? You're getting ice cream. You may have gotten your tonsils out, but you're getting ice cream. So this will be fine. Don't worry about it. What That is a shilly, I can excuse all the other six, but that is a shilly, ridiculous thing to I cannot to say.
1: excuse any of them nor the headline it is a ridiculous piece that should have come like literally ron Klein would not change a word of this piece the the white house press office the white house chief of staff would not change a word of this piece they would be like oh my gosh we couldn't have written it better ourselves
0: well student loan forgiveness the, the other things that this reporter said are true and I can actually tell you that when I t-
1: I mean, the student loan forgiveness thing is true.
0: Yeah, but that's not an upside to the recession. That's just free money. That's just, that. that's not an upside to anything. That's just, or unless, unless you're getting the free money, that's unrelated to those things. Uh, and I can tell you about the used car thing in the way that the world is frustrating to me. The battery in my key fob to unlock my car died, which of course means not anything other than Interrupting your whole life to go to the dealership. They tried to buy my car from me.
1: Oh, constantly.
0: They tried to buy my car from me when I went in to get this stupid key fob. And it was like, and I only bought my car in 2020. And it was used. Never buy a new car. It was used. And they were like trying to buy my car. I'm standing in the parking lot trying to leave. And there's a guy like. We can give you X number of dollars today. So she's certainly right about that. But the number seven, I mean, come on.
1: Okay. Chris, you take the you take this next item.
0: Oh, I'm really can I say that I'm really enjoying Puck News? Is that allowed? That's allowed. I think I'm really enjoying Puck News. Free I, country. I, yeah.
1: Different th- strokes for different folks. I think
0: I'm I think I'm enjoying it. It's a little arch. It's a little much sometimes, in the same way that what is it called? Punch bowl. There's like there's a there's a certain like toot-sniffing self-satisfaction that I'm not crazy about. It's not Axios level, but it is, like, you know, it's present. But I think I enjoy it. And certainly this piece by Theodore Schleffler.
1: Teddy. Teddy.
0: Teddy how do we pronounce the last name?
1: I think it's Schliefer.
0: Schliefer. Teddy Schliefer. I feel weird calling a person I haven't met Teddy. But anyway, he breaks down. So, long, The the long story short, The Republicans are wasting a shocking amount of money this year on races that they, for the Senate, they should not have to spend money on. And the Republicans should be ready to have 53 or 54 seats in the Senate. But they are, Republicans are having a problem. They're having a hard time because they're upset at each other. And as a consequence, they have subprime nominees in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Georgia, Arizona, New Hampshire, all winnable states. Nevada, we'll see. We'll see how Adam Laxalt does. I'm I'm hearing mixed reviews, but basically, the Republicans should be on a glide path to Senate control, but they're not because they have these you know weak nominees in all these places, particularly Arizona. So there's a fight between Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, and Peter Thiel the billionaire founder of PayPal, or the CEO, I don't know what he was at PayPal, but that's where he made all this dough, at PayPal, who is this post-libertarian, nationalist, authoritarianish kind of Republican who is a big backer of Donald Trump and basically wanted to to put himself up against McConnell and his picks in the Republican primaries. And Teal won, too. He won in Ohio with J.D. Vance, which is a talk— the. the Ohio and Georgia are the two most appalling wastes of money and time for Republicans in this cycle. Totally unnecessary, easily winnable seats that shouldn't – Raphael Warnock should be down 10 points. Look at how much much Brian Kemp is up in Georgia. That shouldn't be a race. And then in Ohio, you know, it's Ohio. It's an R plus five. I'll get to the journalism very quickly, I promise. But – the, Chris
1: knows. I start to give him looks. No, the like, I ro- the eye, uh, the
0: third uh, at the okay, third eye roll. my high on.
1: school Latin teacher would have said, "You're going down the primrose path."
0: Yes, the, I, I know, but as it, it turns out, I do like talking about politics. So, anyway, this is a story from Theodore Schleffler. Schleffler.
1: I think it's. I think it's Schliefer, but I'm worried I'm going to correct you and get it wrong. Schleffler. Schlieffer.
0: Theodore. I apologize. As a Stierwald, I apologize for hard to pronounce German surnames. So. Anyway, it's a story about the conflict inside the Murdoch media empire between Teal and McConnell, right? And so you have T. McConnell that basically pulled out of Arizona and said, congratulations, Peter Teal, You got Blake Masters nominated in Arizona, and Blake Masters is a terrible candidate. He might win, possibly, but he's a terrible candidate. So congratulations. If you want him to be the senator from Arizona, you spend the money. And we're going other places. And it breaks down how, like, Kim Strassel from the Wall Street Journal is writing on the McConnell side. And then you've got Tucker. Okay, so
1: she wrote a column basically exhorting Teal to pony up. Because yes. the battle is over is McConnell going to divert resources from other states to shore up these faltering candidates especially Arizona. In, in Arizona? And so Strassel writes a column saying like, Hey, Peter Thiel, you helped get this guy nominated pony up now that it's general election.
0: And what does Tucker, Tucker Carlson have to say about that? How dare you defeat the will of the people? And it is Mitch McConnell who is the worst person and attacking, going crazy about what's wrong with Mitch McConnell. And the interesting place for the Murdochs and the interesting place for Fox on this is they're caught between. They don't want they, – they want – as a corporate entity, they want all the Republicans to win. And as a network, they don't as, – as Fox and as the Wall Street Journal opinion section in the New York Post, they don't want to have to mediate a fight between wings of the Republican Party. It's really hard for them because they want the focus to be on Democrats, not on Republican infighting. So it's just – Teddy – S, I would just (laughs) I I will just say good job. Chris S. Thank you.
1: Okay, and we are now at the style section time of our front page. uh, It's how you know you let me pick the style style section this week. Yep, yep. How you know you let me pick. Hit it, Chris S.
0: All right, let's hear the clip. A lot of people
1: are asking what is on my microphone. It is what you think it is. It's a condom. It helps protect the gear. We can't get these mics wet. There's a lot of wind. A lot of rain, so
0: we got to do what we got to do, and that is put a condom on the microphone. All right, Kyla Gaylor of NBC. Congratulations to you! In the most Florida woman uh, situation possible, she acquired a prophylactic and put it over her microphone to do hurricane reporting.
1: Clever!
0: And I, I am for her. I'm for her ingenuity, and I'm for her pride in it. And please practice safe news, I think, is a, is, is a good watchword for everyone. I think that's great. Can I also say, as a note to performative hurricane coverage, and I watched a lot of it this week, you're out on the patio. We see that the wind is strong. We see that you're being— Did you see Jim Cantore almost, like, killed by a lightning strike and, like, a tree, and he's wearing a baseball helmet to be out there? I don't know how old Jim Cantore is, but he's, like— and it's got to be in his 60s, I would assume.
1: I did not see it. I have to say that my husband and I were watching this last night. You know, we're like watching it for 10 minutes. And he was like, I'm bored of hurricane coverage. And I was like, yeah, me too. We, we did not. We were not like glued to the screen.
0: Well, and and, and that's the thing is. It's like the
1: same thing for You're wearing hours, a baseball so.
0: helmet outside. You're going to be killed by a lightning strike. You're going to be killed by a, a tree that is knocking you down. All of this stuff. You're not really adding anything to this. And may oh, I have an idea. Why don't we get the networks crash test dummies that they can put out in the hurricane winds so that we can and I Griff Jenkins, if you're out there, you should suggest this to Fox. No one no one has ever taken a beating in Hurricane Force Winds more than Griff Jenkins of Fox News. He's truly tough. Get a crash test dummy and watch the dummy being thrown around there. Don't put human beings out on the patio to watch them be pummeled by branches.
1: And now a word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station, working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. It is time for our obsessions of the week. And I love mine this week.
0: You're on a hot streak with obsessions. I, uh,
1: yes, I, I will. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even remember what mine was last week, but but I like mine this week. So Kara Swisher has a new podcast um, and... She's doing it with Vox, and I'm not a normal like Kara Swisher follower or listener. But she did tell, an interview. Tell the
0: readers who, tell the listeners who Kara she's Swisher is. She's a
1: tech is. journalist.
0: She was Recode. She was
1: yeah. She did a tech journalism. She was at the time. She was she was once yeah. the
0: like the hottest commodity making, in tech uh, coverage.
1: He's making what? What does that mean? She went to Vox, left or left Vox, came
0: back to Vox. Yeah, we did an item about her when she so she's she but she was once the it female of tech coverage, it was a big deal, and then it kind of cooled, and then she left the Times, and she had a lash-up with something else. And now she is interviewing Chris Cuomo.
1: Okay. So she did a podcast interview with Chris Cuomo, and I I loved it. And he is now your colleague at News Nation. It That's made true. me kind of think we should maybe do a Chris Cuomo interview over here, possibly. But I have to say, I kind of came out Team Chris, I which which shows you I go in with an open mind. Uh, so true. I wanted to play a couple of clips. I came out team Chris C. Okay, let's, okay. Let's but you were okay. you
0: were team Chris S team going Chris, in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Team Chris C. So she presses him on why were you doing these interviews with your brother? That was journalistically unethical. Why were you advising him on this stuff? And I thought his answers were quite good. So first off, let's play the first clip of Cuomo's response to, you know, oh, he gave his brother a pass. The idea of,
0: did I give my brother a pass Mm -hmm. is an obvious rhetorical question. That was the real question. Other journalists were asking him questions at the time that were not as pointed as the one I asked him and I couldn't even fairly cover it, which should tell you something about the nature of media treatment of people in power in general, maybe.
1: I think he is 100% right about that. Yes. And that, first of all, nobody is tuning in. Nobody was tuning in to Chris Cuomo interviewing his brother, thinking, like, we are going to get a hard-hitting interview of right. somebody, like, really, you know, putting right. him on this the This is rope. going to be Chris He's Wallace roasting here. him. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was obviously entertainment, and he is absolutely correct that – Nobody was asking Andrew Cuomo hard questions at the time. Well, he it's was in our intro, lionized. Katie Couric says Yeah, he was lionized. Andrew
0: Cuomo is having a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: 100%. He is 100% correct about that. And it it absolutely should tell you about the nature of media treatment of, I would not say people in power. I would say most. it's mostly Democrats in power. And... This leads us to the next clip. Let's play it.
0: Well, look, I mean, what what I would turn the question to is find me somebody who asked him a question during that phase that was more pointed than what I said. Because what I said was a summary of the accusations.
1: Well, sure. But that's like saying I, I did a C and everyone else did a D. But I wasn't even in the class. I get it. Agree. 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 Okay. and And I love that. It, now he, the, the thing I take issue with, and um, we're not going to play clips of this, is he essentially says like there was nothing hidden from the viewer because obviously we were brothers; they knew yeah, that it yeah, was yeah, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I take issue with that. The viewer did not know that he was like behind the scenes advising his brother on how to handle this sexual harassment scandal, or you know these sexual what whatever it was. Um, and I'm
0: not perverted. And then I'm just Italian.
1: Yeah, and then he's accused of like doing a you know of reaching out to a woman who he had sexually harassed and doing a segment on New Day to help her employer which was WeWork. There were there's lots of other stuff that was all hidden from viewers yeah. and but what I do take issue with and he does not make this point is and Kara Switcher says, "Well, you know, your CNN colleagues are saying that you compromise their reporting." That is totally ridiculous. Like, my view is that Andrew Cuomo and what he was doing, he was like in bed with his brother and advising politicians and da da da. He was a symptom of the larger problem over at that network. He was hardly alone in his like inappropriate, unjournalistic behavior. And I do think it's like, it is like ridiculous that he was singled out. And I do think it was the fault of management for not like making these lines more clear. So I thought like, good for him. And, uh, you know, he's a little like self justifying, and well, the, like the yeah. viewers should have known, but like, <laughs> I'm too. sorry, he was that he was a, he was the symptom, not the cause of like, you know, the lack of journalistic integrity over at CNN.
0: I, I think I agree, and I think that uh, it was probably correct for CNN to fire him as part of just the cleaning up, cleaning out the augean stables of the Zucker era.
1: But Zucker fired him. And so that, I think, was, which is, which
0: is totally hypocritical, was,
1: like totally. Not hi- and as right we talked about and, at the time for Jeff yeah, Zucker, yeah. who
0: was engaged in plenty of bad conduct of his own in this stuff to try to make a scapegoat of Chris Cuomo. But I, I guess I'll put it this way. I understand why it would be necessary for CNN to terminate him. And the way that it was done was wrong. But I also think, and this is why we talked about this when News Nation hired him. I said. You know, I'm I am I am prepared to be impressed, right? I'm prepared to have him do right and be right, and so far I'm really impressed, right? So far I'm I'm hearing from a per like I guess, Chris Cuomo is really good on TV. Whether you like him or whether you don't like him, he is very engaged. He is very present. He is good on television, and I think it, I'll put it this way: He sounds like a person who learned something from this experience. Sounds like a person who is, and I guess. If I were Chris Cuomo, well, I'm not. I never, mean, he says
1: he did nothing wrong, so I did not really know what he learned. But I mean, he probably learned to be smarter about who his friends are. Maybe I think.
0: I think. He, I think he also. I assume, sounds like what he learned is when you get into the ethical weird zone, when you're in the space. Throw you throw your hands up and say, Okay, okay, we're in a weird space here. We better we better disclaim this, we better talk about this. But he's not gonna be in this situation again because I don't think his brother's ever gonna be in office again. Of course I say that. Yeah. I we, say that and then it might happen. For the comeback. But I but I but I appreciate I appreciate the way that Chris has addressed this stuff and I look forward to being on his show soon. You're up. Oh. Podcasts. Podcasts. So the headline, the news is from Bloomberg. CNN lays off podcast employees in the latest round of cuts. Company has refined its strategy, according to a spokesperson. I bet, but they CNN let go a number of employees in its podcasting unit on Tuesday and latest series of cuts at Warner Brothers Discovery and its news division. So there's a lot of news this week about the pressure on Zaslav at to to show the results. And you and I have talked about this many times that the challenge to the Chris Licht project at CNN is how long will the board, how long will shareholders tolerate reduced profits in the name of increased fairness, right? How long, because as we know, somebody should write a whole book about this called Broken News that's available at fine booksellers near you. But we know the cheapest and quickest way to make a buck in the news biz is to be, to sensationalize and practice this kind of yellow journalism. That's the easy, you know, Ryan Stelter is a is a quicker trip. I don't know if he really profited, but you know what I mean. That kind of journalism is a quicker trip to profitability than careful, cautious, thoughtful, earnest. Well, I think reporting. what you see
1: you do see it on the right as the way to, to profitability is sure. like, you know, Fox News opinion, Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro Well all the all uh, like the years the big that National Review. Right. All the yeah. years
0: that National Review was grinding like we're gonna try to do this, and then Breitbart pulls up in like a you know, a rented, a, a rented Subaru and is like, screw it. We could just put anything on the internet and it will click a lot better than like the daily caller, like a bunch of the stuff, low, low quality. And it's, but it's true on the left as well, which is that that's the shortcut. High quality news is more expensive and is a less certain ratings answer. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of coverage about the pressure on Discovery, which now owns CNN. About when does the when do the profits start? Like when you know Zaslav comes in, and wh- what is his position? Is he the CEO? He's the
1: CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. And
0: he, and actually, we talked about I don't think we talked about it last week about how there was the reporting about how Chris Licht was his had a mind meld with Zaslav during the transition and from the beginning. So there's a lot of pressure on them. So that, so and I'm going to really disappoint you now when I say. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> what I really want to talk about is, so what is happening in podcasting? I don't know why you people listen to this podcast. I'm always shocked at the number of people who listen to this podcast. And obviously, you're weird and something is wrong with you. But we enjoy doing it. I think we would do it. I think if we had 100 listeners, we would still do it. I would still do this with you because it is a great ex- No, Eliana's shaking it off. I would do it if we had 100 listeners because it is a great excuse to hang out with one of my best friends, right? It's a great excuse. It's scheduled time to hang out with you. But how many podcasts do you think there are in the world, in the United States? No idea. More than 2 million. There are, And the, and the numbers vary. There are more than 2 million podcasts in the United States. Most of them, and Colin actually knows these things, most of them don't have – 100 listeners like most of them are you know a guy in his mom's basement not consuming now I've got great research from Edison that talks about how many Americans listen to podcasts now and in 2022 79 million Americans are familiar with and conversant with and use podcasts that's a lot right but if you have 2 million podcasts or almost 3 million podcasts you're still slicing the baloney too thin. And what is going, I'm sorry, that's 62 million. But here's the thing, The, the sorting out and cleaning out of the podcast world is taking too long, right? CNN is acknowledging the truth, which is too many podcasts. When I was at Fox, I may have been part of a very successful podcast when I was at Fox, it's possible. But At Fox, it was like, you have a podcast, and you start a podcast, and you have a podcast. Can your podcast have a podcast? What if your podcast podcast had a mini podcast where they just talked about previous episodes? The desire for more episodes and more podcasts, because nobody had a good strategy about how to do it. Now there is a good strategy about how to do it. Oh, by the way, what podcast do you listen to?
1: What podcast do I listen to? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't want to reveal this. I listen to a lot of them, actually. Name three. Okay, three. I always listen to Rich Lowry and Andy McCarthy.
0: I love. Is that what the is editors? It
1: no, it's not the editors. It's the McCarthy Report. Oh, I
0: I, I have heard it. I, it's good.
1: Here's one that you definitely don't listen to, but it is my absolute favorite, and people will pr- laugh, but it is the this couples therapist, Esther Perel. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you it's so voyeuristic. you are like a fly on the wall in a couple. Oh, I've heard at, about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. it is fantastic. It's called where where should we begin or where shall we begin?
0: I would rather is, eat a oh co- my I would gosh. I would rather it's eat a glass so, Coke bottle. It is
1: so amazing. oh
0: as a as a, as a person who has been in couples therapy failed couples therapy, I can tell you I, I can't imagine it is I can't imagine. okay.
1: But you're only there for one session, so it's like a different couple every week. It's fantastic. I love it. Love it. Love it. Number three. And what else do I listen to? Oh, I do a lot of like beauty and, you know, oh, here's what you should, here are the like great products you should buy.
0: Okay. So she's lying about, she's hiding many uh, listeners just know that whatever- I'm
1: going to pull up. Whatever the really trashy stuff that she's actually listening to
0: about The Real Housewives-
1: Oh, there was a great one, actually, that I'm forgetting what it's called. Hold on. Find find yours, and then let me find well, mine, are, mine There's are, a great my, one about Bravo.
0: Mine, mine are, you will not be surprised. No one will be surprised to hear me say that my favorite podcasts are, of course, uh, The Remnant, which is just, I always, I love Conan O'Brien's podcast. It's just great. It's got, uh, it's got good energy. It's bright. It's pleasant to have on. It's funny. It makes me laugh.
1: And, I got one. Go ahead. There is a podcast called I Spy, hmm. and they're all different stories of spies. Um, oh, no, that I would listen to. Foreign Policy. Fantastic. Now that's interesting. I'm just looking through my podcast.
0: And I'll say my third will be the Dishcast with yes, Andrew Sullivan. Yes, I love Dishcast. I love the Dishcast. Love dishcast. I love the Very Dishcast. Very good. Very good. We should interview Andrew Sullivan. We should, um, we should beg Andrew Sullivan to be interviewed in our interview series.
1: And then if people knew all my, like, you know, ditzy, like, me, not, that's not the, media podcast. That's the interesting.
0: That's the interesting thing about you. One of the very, many interesting things about you is that you're this very tough lady. You're very like that way. But then you have these girliest interests that are just always hilarious to me. It
1: is okay. I'm like looking at my list: fat mascara, <sighs> full coverage, blonde files, Breaking Beauty. It's ridiculous. Okay, they're, they're, those are all in my list.
0: Oh, and also on my list would be the Milk Street Podcast with Christopher Kimball is great, which I enjoy, and my lamest, dorkiest podcast is called Away With Words, and it's a language and podcast that I that I chuckle in, in a way that, in an NPR kind of way, that I chuckle that would make a stranger want to punch me in the throat. All okay, right. I'll stop talking about podcasts now, but I, I thought it was interesting. I think CNN is on the way to doing what everybody's doing, which is... This has to be cleaned out. The America doesn't need 2.3 million podcasts.
1: Okay. I, I don't disagree with that, but the problem is that with just television, right. they're not going to make money. That nope. industry is in decline. So they need a multi- platform strategy and they've gotten rid of streaming they're like slimming down podcasts and so i am curious what the additive things are going to be
0: i i am certainly curious about that but i do think that with podcasting the answer is more resources into fewer podcasts right more into fewer consolidation in podcasting is the key
1: it is time now for my favorite segment of the week Read your mail, and we have a note from Jen in Aurora, Colorado, that I know you are going to love, Chris. Yes, fantastic.
0: Jen Jen Maitland. Hi, Jen. Jen says,
1: Hi, favorite wretches. Okay, so I got the Axios Denver daily newsletter. Sorry, Chris, and got this one last week. Essentially, they're hosting an event for Michael Bennett, and I suggested to them that they also host a similar event for Joe O'Day. And this is me talking. Joe O'Day is the Republican. Senate nominee who is running against Michael Bennett, Um, back to Jen. Jen says, my question to you both, is this a reasonable request? Does it fall within the lines of fair journalism, or should they only be obliged to platform the current senator? Thanks for an awesome podcast. I listen every Friday. Till recently, Eliana, hope you're feeling better. I love hearing Eliana's take on cultural topics on the Megyn Kelly podcast. Chris, any chance you could be MK's political analyst, or would that conflict with your new gig? At any rate, keep up the great cast. It's first rate.
0: Well, Jen, that is such a nice thing to say. I'm very happy at News Nation, but I've never, as I wrote in my book and as I've said before, I never have had more fun on TV than I did with Megan. It was a great, we had a great time together and and truly great. And by the way, did I mention to you her wonderful interview with Malcolm Gladwell?
1: No, I want to watch that.
0: So good. So, and kudos to both of them. Like, and it was about trans in sports and it was like in a fraught space they handled it great it was interesting it was honest it was great so that's true as for axios doing an event with michael bennett absolutely that's journalistically wrong that's that's not even close that's not that it, it's not that they should do both it's that they should do neither right they shouldn't do an event right before an election with and I won't call him vulnerable but he's certainly up for re-election and he's certainly being challenged and it's just you know this kind acts of, so there's two kinds of act oh that's interesting that access journalism and axios go together but the there's there's a kind of access journalism in which you get favor it's we call it beat sweetening you get favorable coverage for access right so this is the Steve Schmidt phenomenon. You're the leaker, you provide access to the outlet, and then you get to be the hero of the story. That's part of it. And access journalism is a thing and we won't defeat it. We just have to try to recognize it. And by the way, no one is better at picking out who the source was of a story than you. You are the best truffle pig of finding who the, and you're like, no, that's obviously blank. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. So that's one kind of access journalism. Access journalism for profit where you make... And the Washington Post... you remember when the Washington Post started doing these salons? Yes, yes. It's like, join us when you can rub elbows with so-and-so from the Obama administration. Access... Using your journalistic platform to sell access to people in power is wrong. And you shouldn't do it. And there's another way to make a living. So don't do that.
1: I looked up the event in question. Okay. And, you know... Do an interview, do an event, fine. But these events, they're underwritten by various businesses. Nice. And then the subject. The double,
0: the double coupons.
1: So the subject of the discussion is then something of interest to the business. Jeez so this event, Louise. and we'll, we'll put a link into it in the show note. You can check it out. But this event is sponsored by or presented by America's Electric Cooperatives. And there is a part of the event with. Jim Matheson the CEO of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Woof. Association. Woof. So the honorable that
0: relies on that relies on funding authorized by the United States Senate.
1: So yes, and it features the honorable Michael Bennett, member Senate Agriculture Finance and Intelligence Committee as well as the honorable Bob Latta, member House Energy and Commerce Committee. So these are like for-profit events that bring together the private sector, the journalistic sector and a reporter to facilitate a conversation that is of interest to all the parties involved,
0: except except for uh, except for,
1: ex- except for like, the reader,
0: exactly. Except for exactly. you, except for you, Colorado, mm-hmm. except for you. And you know, one of my concerns about Axios, with the the purchase of Axios, how much did they sell Axios for? Five hundred
1: twenty-five million, I think.
0: Be yeah. smart, Colin would know. Five hundred. Oh yeah. Has, have you gotten paid yet? I guess you're still here. So yeah. <laughs> you're still here. So you haven't gotten your ch- you have not kayaked off into the sunset yet. So the but my con- So he hasn't uh,
1: brought us our like gorp.
0: Yeah, exactly. You our have not. You have not brought us the the deluxe trail mix yet. Burger King next week. Exactly. Burger Thank King. You. It's always next week with you, Colin. It's always Burger King next week. But it's always chicken fries next week. But my concern about Cox and its purchase, so Cox is, and I guess I should disclose a competitor to NextStar. I guess that's true, but Cox's purchase of Axios because I think as we're seeing, Axios's effort to be more local is really attra- was really attractive to Cox, which is a local TV provider, and this provides synergy, and you can do more local news, and you can push it down that way, and that's fine. But if Axios brings this model, their national model, to local news, it will make local news worse. And we should be making local news better and not worse. And I'd say uncool.
1: Chris, it is now time oh. for your favorite time of the week. Which is our favorite items where I am forced to say something nice, but you lead by example. Well, what do you got? This you is got?
0: an example of my true hideous bias, unashamed bias. But I want you to take a listen to my youngest son's favorite Major League Baseball player, Lars Newtbar, which is the greatest name for a baseball player I can imagine, but Lars Newtbar of the St. Louis Cardinals when the St. Louis Cardinals clinched the National League Central over the Brewers. So here, take a listen. Goldie, one question, one question. No, go- Paul, stop, Paul, one question. Paul, one question, Paul, one question, one question. Paul, one question. <laughs> Look at the camera right here. Paul, the question. Paul, Paul, Paul one question. All Take right. a picture. All right, but you- All get out Paul, of here. We have one question with you, Goldie, Goldie. One question. <laughs> Folks, he's a tough man to crack, but I promise you, by the end of the night, we will get him. Folks, here we go. Here we go. Third base and All-Star, here we go. Here, here he comes right here. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado. Here he is right here, folks, obviously having such a great season. Obviously, first time, for, hey, you know, however many times All-Star, however many times Silver Slugger, however many times Gold Glove. He's talking there. and the, the reason he shivered as he is talking there is because someone is pouring an ice-cold Budweiser down his back while he is fake interviewing Nolan Arenado. And this is obviously just an excuse for me to celebrate the St. Louis Cardinals. But I love that Lars Newtbar rookie Just a a great spirit animal for this team. Pretended to be a reporter in the locker room and had a lot of fun with it.
1: Okay. Mine (laughs) I'm like, all right, I don't care. I don't care. I, like, live this every day. All right. Mine is this wonderful New York Times piece about a documentary filmmaker named, it's Meg. Smacker, Smaker S M A K E R. This is a Michael Powell piece, so I'm surprised this wasn't your favorite item. Chris. Oh, now, um, oh, no. and oh, no. she she spent 16 months inside a rehabilitation camp in Saudi Arabia that's intended to like take you know terrorists re- released from Gitmo who go to Saudi Arabia. It's trying to you know incorporate them back into society and mend their ways. Anyhow, it was like praised to the hilt by. Famous documentarians, including Abigail Disney, the Disney heiress, who was the executive producer of the documentary. And then Muslims became very upset that a white woman was telling their story and Sundance apologized and Abigail Disney disavowed it. And this woman is now, you know, she doesn't have a, a pot to pee in, basically. And the Times story by Michael Powell is wonderful about how none of these people, like, had the courage of their convictions to stand behind a piece of art that they thought was great. And then the critics came and they all deserted her and, 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 like, like, left her hanging out to dry.
0: Obviously, Michael Powell joint, it's an excellent piece. Here's a a great paragraph. Film critics warned that conservatives might bristle at these human portraits, right? So they liked it at the beginning because it would upset Conservatives, right? Because it was too too generous of spirit to these terrorists. Film critics warned that conservatives might bridle at these human portraits, but reviews after the festival screening were strong. Quote, the absence of absolutes is what's most enriching. The Guardian stated, adding, quote, this is a movie for intelligent people looking to have their preconceived notions challenged. Close quote. Variety wrote, the film, quote, feels like a miracle and an interrogative act of defiance. And then it turned out that instead of making conservative, no, it did make conservatives upset. It just made Muslim conservatives upset. And those are conservatives that you don't want to upset. It's good if you upset American conservatives or Christian conservatives, but it's bad if you upset Muslim conservatives.
1: It's a wonderful piece, and we will link it.
0: And I, by the way, want to see the movie.
1: Me too. I wanted to host a Washington Free Beacon screening of this thing. Yes. So you know we'll we'll figure out if we find a way to make that happen. Here,
0: here's the here's the the, the counter. Here, here, so that's where they started. Felt like a miracle. Here's where it concludes. Documentary magazine. Sisa Boundui says, "Quote: To see my language and the homelands of folks in my community used as backdrops for white savior tendencies is nauseating." She wrote, "The talk is all empathy, but the energy is Indiana Jones." Please, yeah, stop it. Please go get a go get a, a Burger King chicken sandwich
1: and, and have a chill. great rest
0: of your day and just chill.
1: That is all the time we have left for the news about the news. If you have a story you want us to talk about or a New York Times salary <laughs> you yeah, would yeah, like yeah, to yeah. submit for consideration, just email us at wretches at nebulouspodcasts That's wretches with an s at nebulous podcasts with an s dot com. This has been Inkstained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Wretches.